The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Are you ready to move from your good life to one that is amazing? Then you've tuned in to the right program. For the next hour, listen in as Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, shares with you the tools you can use to transform your life. She will guide you on a journey to create a life that is amazing. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome, everyone, and thank you for your participation in From Good to Amazing. We appreciate so much you sharing with people this particular show that offers people practical applications and tools in which they can move their lives from good to amazing. Today, I'm thrilled that we have as our guest, Sarah McLean, who teaches people tools as a matter of fact, it's one of the key elements of the Unity Movement, where we teach all the time prayer and meditation. Sarah, welcome to our show today. I'm delighted to have you as our guest. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Well, meditation is its an idea truly whose time has come, and yet I'm sure that you've had a journey that's brought you to the place that you are today uh, in being the author that you are, but have you always been uh, practicing the presence, or is there a moment or a defining time in your life where uh, spirituality you know, caught you to a new awareness? Well, you know, I've always been a lover of mysteries. I read every single mystery by Nancy Drew, you know, the Nancy Drew series. I've always been interested in the unseen. And, of course, that involves God and spirit and the soul and things beyond our five senses. And I've always been interested in that. And I have to say my first foray into meditation was simply just pretending. I can I can remember specifically skipping school one day with my girlfriend in high school. We got on the out we lived on the outskirts of Boston. We got on a subway and I sat in the back of the subway with my legs crossed, my hands in these mudras and my eyes closed and I waited for the magic to happen. Of course the magic was simply lots and lots of thoughts, but I I did have an affinity for it or at least an attraction to it because I had heard how it can change someone's life, but I certainly had no idea how to do it. So years went by, and I studied it, I looked into it, I I took a meditation class in college, and I began to sort of unravel the mystery of it. How hard is it? Why does it work? How does it change my awareness? How does it make my life better? So I, you know, I've really been at it full time, so to speak, since 1989. And now I'm teaching kids who weren't even born at that time, and I described to them this revolution that took place in the late 80s where we no longer began, we no longer thought of the body as separate from the mind. We actually began to understand how the mind had an effect on the body and how the mind-body connection really helped to cultivate soul awareness or awareness of the divine. So way back when, um, I had been in the military between high school and college, and I studied to be a medic to help soldiers with post-traumatic stress disorder. So I understood the effects of stress, both mentally and physically, and I understood how to reduce stress. But, of course, meditation was not part of that conversation as it is today. So we are certainly on the cutting edge of 
a groundswell or a wave that started in the late 80s, I'd have to say. Well, what's impressive is is your book, Soul-Centered, Transforming Your Life in Eight Weeks with Meditation. And for those of you that are listening today, if you've found yourself going through challenges or uh, overly stressed or you're looking for a new outlet, I would advise you to go on to SedonaMeditation.com and get the book that Sarah has written because eight weeks that can change the course of your life is well worth the time that you could give to understanding the art of meditation. Uh, Sarah, in looking at your information and uh, your your vibrant light that you carry, um, it's evident of the years that you've put into the meditation practice. Uh, what are some of the benefits? I think sometimes if people hear some of the benefits, definitely we know that meditation helps with uh, high blood pressure, with uh, well being present, um, so you get the gifts all around you. But mm-hmm. what are some of the other uh, benefits that people receive from practicing meditation well i can tell you that my impetus for starting meditation was really um seeking some relief seeking some emotional relief i was young enough not to have had any real physical issues but i was definitely running away from my life and with meditation i began to embrace my life so you know that's you know a big idea but meditation helps us to appreciate our lives whatever arises for us now, some people who come to meditate are motivated by a physical issue. They've been diagnosed with a disease or, as you say, have high blood pressure, insomnia. And some people are motivated by just this feeling of uneasiness, whether it's depression or anxiety or anger. And others are just really seeking some depth to their lives, a spiritual motivation. And so in terms of benefits, which is why I actually wrote the book to talk about an eight-week program, What's been proven only just very recently is that eight weeks of a sustained daily meditation practice really can make some major changes in the way we perceive the world. Now, for years, for thousands of years, people considered meditators to be wise and self-aware and responsive versus reactive and relatively peaceful and compassionate. So what they're finding now in the research as they're able to dig deeper into the brain and measure the actual shape of these different areas of the brain, the amygdala, the part of the brain that's the old part of the brain, the limbic area, which is responsible for our reactivity, the fight-or-flight response, begins to shrink as we pay attention in meditation to simply our breath or a mantra or a prayer or a candle flame and become less reactive to a thought. This begins to shrink the amygdala. Also what begins to happen is the insula, which is the part of the brain that's responsible for our self-awareness and our self-compassion begins to grow. Now obviously you don't want to think about this too much, but there are actual physical changes happening to the brain. And the other part of the brain that begins to change is the um, hippocampus, which is responsible for memorization and, and space and time awareness. And this starts to get more acute. So People have actual changes, not only in their brain, but in their physiology. They set up a new normal, a new way of being in their lives, which doesn't mean they have to drink a lot of coffee in order to maintain a high quality of energy or attentiveness or uh, sharpness. In fact, the opposite is true. When people practice meditation, they step back, they lean back and become more receiving, more attentive to what life brings them and more accepting of it and are able to make really good, clear choices. You know, I would love to see um, your teachings and your practical tools about meditation applied to all the uh, school systems in America. I'm going to hold that for you, that that 
not only is potentially possible, but that it can come into being. I know that I've read studies about a few of the school systems that have actually promoted um, the children meditating, and they see um, better grades, um, you know, collaborating with others. They see um, the energy exchange heighten um, among students. So I'm just going to hold that for you that that will become evident in your work because that's an, a great area. Are you already working on that? I mean, we I haven't am, talked about I it. Am. Are you? Okay. I, well, it's new. It's new. So I And yes. what I love is that finally meditation is not as scary as it used to be. People don't think there's some devil's work involved or that it's the occult or some sort of dark, dark, you know, ideology. In fact, I just taught recently a boarding school. I not only taught the faculty and the, the prefects, who are the people that kind of run the dorms, but I taught the, the freshman class. Now, these are, these are kids, 13- and 14-year-old kids who have left their home and um, you know, are sent off to boarding school. Whether that's a good thing or not, I'm going to reserve my judgment. But what I can tell you is they are facing a lot of stress. So regardless of whether it's a 14-year-old or whether it's a 45-year-old or a 75-year-old, when I begin a meditation class, I ask people to identify what causes them stress, if they know. Some people don't even know, which is fine. And then how do they react to stress? Some people have a physical reaction. They get sick or they have high blood pressure. Some people have that mental issue where they have anxiety or can't concentrate. And other people have more emotional issues where they they are unable to maintain interconnected, you know, deep relationships or express themselves in a nice way. So I talk about how they release stress. And going into these high schools, you know, these kids are just so ready to talk about it because no one's having this conversation with them. They are talking about where, you know, how they should pay attention. But they never ask the kids, what is the source of your attention? You know, what I'm realizing in my next book is about what, what is the source of your attention? Where does your attention arise from? And what are the qualities of attention? And I would dare to say that your pure attention, and anyone who's listening now, your pure attention is actually love. And when kids realize they have this power, this attention, they have they can be in charge of where to put it. They can be charge of the be in charge of the quality of it, and they can cultivate a one pointed ability to pay attention. They will begin to see how attention is not just something we address if there's a pathology like ADD or ADHD, but in fact, attention is something we can cultivate and can be used to really benefit uh, benefit someone. So powerful. I'm, I'm so glad that you're, you know, part of this and bringing it into mainstream in Unity in the late 1800s when it was founded by the Fillmores and Ernest Holmes with the Centers for Spiritual Living known as Religious Science. I mean, all of them were, were teaching, uh, the art and all the benefits of, of meditation. But like you were saying, it got put into the ideas of weird and strange and occult or or something like that rather than a way of offering people a simple way of staying connected with themselves and with God. And right. it's just so um, powerful. Um, and I, I love the fact that, you know, you your home base is in Sedona. Is that correct? It is correct, but I've got to tell you, it does sound cliche to be a meditation teacher in the spiritual mecca of the United States in Sedona, Arizona, and the truth is this was not part of my plan. I had no plan, as a matter of fact, to even be out in the world. I was living in a Zen Buddhist traditional training center, and my plan is was to stay sequestered, really, after I had spent eight years with uh, Deepak Chopra I went off to India. I came and I lived in an ashram. I taught Tibetans English, met the Dalai Lama and worked with his nuns. And then I came back and I knew that, you know, this world has a lot. It's difficult. And it's easier, really, for me. It may not be for everybody, but it's easier to be in a protected environment where we're in a group of people who are 
committed to their personal practice of self-realization or God-realization and supporting each other, whether it's through work or, you know, ways to, you know, support ourselves and to cook together and practice together and live together. It was such a delight for me. And I had not planned this, but I was working with a woman named Byron Katie. As I say, before we got on the phone, I'm a good listener. When we meditate... We become very, very good listeners to the divine and the divine will in our lives, not in necessarily in the meditation, but as we walk through the world. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I moved to work with her and subsequently met my husband who was helping her, who happened to be a lifelong meditator. And he lived in Sedona, Arizona. So that's how I ended up here. It was it certainly wasn't my plan, nor was it, you know, a way to build my brand, so to speak. I am in this world in this wild unfoldment of um, perfection. Oh, that's a neat story and how that all all came about. And since we're talking about Sedona, I just want to um, bring to our listeners um, awareness that your website is SedonaMeditation.com. And um, I love to tell people, Sarah, that for me and part of my spiritual practice, life has become um, connecting the dots, like the coloring books, the little books that we used to have as children. Mm-hmm. That if you could connect the dots appropriately, the image on the page would turn out uh, in a beautiful way. And it, it sounds so evident that that's exactly what you're talking about with the meditation ability, that stillness, that going from you know one person to one program to another of paying attention. I'm glad that you brought yourself, you know, back in, into the world because <laughs> it's it's true. So many, I know I've attempted to do that myself and not be public and be more introverted but yet it just seems that you know there's a calling there's a sense of awakening for so many of us to to be out and to be willing to you know live our lives out loud so thank you for your willingness to do that well thank you for yours too it is you know it may seem you know crazy because who would want to go to a monastery but i would who would want to be quiet most of the day? I would. As a matter of fact, I'm very, I was very introverted, and I never, ever called myself a public speaker. Now, and I never used to think I could write a sentence. Now I make my living speaking in public and writing. <laughs> and the truth is, what you resist, you know, persists. And maybe I was resisting these gifts. I have no idea, but it's an honor to be listen to. It's an honor to be able to teach people about meditation, and oftentimes these radio shows aren't quite long enough to do that, but I do have, I just uploaded today an eight-week free series of meditations that goes with each week in my book. So if, if anyone wants to go on there, it's just free. You just click free meditations, and it, it helps because I know, you know, the challenges occur when we close our eyes and we say, okay, now how do I deal with emotions arising, or how do I get that quiet mind or is this when I'm supposed to be listening to God or praying? Or how do, I, how do I feel that deep connection? And so I really address that. But I do have the five essentials of meditation, which I think are helpful regardless of what meditation technique you practice. And the well, first when one, we, when oh, we come back, when we come back after this short break, I'm looking forward to you walking us through those. And I know okay. our listeners will be excited to hear that as well. We're talking today with Sarah McLean, Hay House author of a leading edge book, Soul Centered How to Transform Your Life in Eight Weeks with Meditation. I'm Temple Hayes, and we'll be right back. If you've been inspired by the programming on Unity Online Radio, we hope you'll give your support so others may be inspired too. This online radio network depends on the love offerings of listeners to continue operating and expand its outreach. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. 
Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Unity Online Radio is turning five this year, and we're throwing the biggest bash of all. A cruise to the Caribbean, November 10th through 17th, 2012. We'll celebrate in style aboard Holland America Line's Eurodam, with sunshine, fine dining, and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the Eastern Caribbean. Plus, feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation. Your favorite host will be there, and we hope you join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, go to www.unity.fm slash cruise. Thank you for tuning in for From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. If you have a question or comment about today's discussion, you can email us at amazing at unity.fm. Now, here's your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And thank you, everyone, for being part of our show today as I'm talking with Sarah McLean, leading Hay House author that teaches the art of meditation. I know all of you that are seeking a spiritual pathway or that are already connected within unity know that one of the keys to a spiritual life and to understanding the abundance that is so evident through spirit in all of our lives is the ability to listen and pay attention. And the thing that we're talking about today with Sarah is that when we are coming from a place of a meditation of a sense of presence, we're able to see the gifts. We're able to hear things in conversations that otherwise we may not hear. When we're being more proactive versus reactive, we're able to sit in a place of, of grace. And it happens so many times. You know, you'll be thinking about something and someone will call you or you have an insight. And if you follow through on it, it really works out uh, for your highest best good but it requires us to be present to the presence and sarah thank you for uh the knowledge that you're gifting us with today on the show you were talking before we went to break about the five uh, essential basics yes 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 well we were talking at the break about how you know many of us believe that somehow we should magically know how to meditate we know that it helps to still the mind, and so we are. We believe that we should be able to still our mind or stop thinking by thinking about it, and which is ridiculous, really. When you get down to it, you can't stop <laughs> thinking by thinking. So the stillness comes about not because we stop thinking, but because we naturally settle down the nervous system. The mind settles down. The body responds to that. The body settles down. The mind responds to that, and we do that through a particular practice. Now, any meditation requires three components. It requires your attention, what you're listening to me with right now. It requires a focus for your attention, whether it's something you see or hear or feel. And it also requires your willingness to do it. Obviously, your listeners are willing to do it, but believe me, I've been in situations where a CEO has imposed his idea of meditation on his faculty or staff, and it's not necessarily <laughs> what they want to be doing. That's for sure. <laughs> right. So, so as long as you have those three, then these five essentials are really applicable. The first one is regardless of what your focus is in meditation, you will always have thoughts in meditation. This is good to know because we sometimes magically think we're supposed to stop thinking, and it doesn't happen that way simply because you have the intention of meditating. But meditation is a training of your awareness. It trains your awareness or your attention to be in the present moment. It trains your attention to go inward, 
and it also trains you to be able to focus on one thing at a time. Ultimately, you can train your attention to the point where you decide where and when you want to pay your attention. And if you think about attention as currency, that becomes important because we only have so much of it, and we get to decide where we want to spend it. So you will always have thoughts and meditation, and this is good to know because often we, we judge ourselves for the thoughts, whether our mind drifts away to the to-do list, the shopping list, what happened yesterday, the issues at work, what you're planning on later. So in meditation, it's good to know you will always have thoughts, but here's the thing. You can always bring your attention back to the focus of your meditation. Let's just use, for example, your breath. Let's imagine that that's what your focus is for the meditation. Your breath is always in the present moment. Your breath is always right here, right now. And when you pay attention to your breath, it helps to anchor your attention, helps to give you something to focus on. Now, some people use a mantra or a prayer or a word with your breath. You could even say the word amen silently to yourself, being a mantra. Now, so the first essential is you'll always have thoughts, and even the word amen as a mantra would be a thought. Secondly, every time you notice your attention drifts away from your focus of your meditation, you simply bring it back with sweetness. You are kind to yourself in meditation, because how you treat yourself in meditation ultimately sets you up for how you're going to treat yourself in your life. So we want to practice being kind and non-judgmental of our efforts. The third is to approach every meditation with a beginner's mind. Now, here in Sedona, people have a lot of expectations about their meditation. They expect the mystical sensations and the union with the divine and glimpses into their past lives and appearances of their spirit guides. And the truth is, this is not what happens in meditation. What happens in meditation is a little more mundane. It, meditation helps us to purify the nervous system, purifying it by getting rid of the stress that keeps us from knowing the beauty and wonder of our own lives. So with that, the fourth one is not to try too hard. Many of us try really hard to get something right, and this is counterproductive in meditation. As a matter of fact, we talked about it a little bit earlier. You want to receive. If we treat everything as receiving in meditation, whether you're receiving your breath, receiving the sounds of the environment, receiving your own thoughts, receiving your own impressions, receiving your own uh, sensations, and just treat it that way, continually refocusing your attention as you train, you're, you're training your brain. So the next last one is not to give up. Don't give up in meditation because you're restless or you're bored or you're having a lot of thoughts or an emotion arises you're uncomfortable with. As a matter of fact, if you stick with your practice throughout the period of time you've decided to meditate for, you're able to train your responsiveness, your ability to be less reactive and more responsive, and you're able to train yourself to bear witness to discomfort, which most of us run away from. So the five, again, are you'll always have thoughts, be kind to yourself, begin with a beginner's mind, don't have any expectations, don't try too hard, and don't give up. I love the the practical aspects of, of what you're teaching because you're so right. I, I can't tell you as a um, spiritual leader how many times I've spoken with the majority of people, not the minority of people, but the majority of people that have attempted to meditate three or four or five times and because it so didn't work for them in their own either assessment or judgment and not understanding that it takes time, you know, to train yourself to step into that space, um, they never attempted to do it again. And it's... um, I, I just love how you're presenting it because you're you're welcoming uh, people to understand that you know don't don't make it hard. That's what I'm hearing is that the secret is it doesn't need to be complicated, but just the determination to make it complicated takes away from the ability to relax into it. 
Exactly. And, you know, we do tend to try really hard in our lives. A lot of us are trying to get things done within a certain period of time and reaching our goals, and somehow that's rewarded. And beating ourselves up is a habit we get into as well. And none of those are really applicable in meditation. As a matter of fact, sometimes less effort, more attentiveness can help us reach our goals. And it's been proven in many cases that being sweet to yourself can help you to reach the goals that you want to reach. And it's just, it's counterproductive to be hard on ourselves. And yet people do that. As you say, they sit down to meditate, the thoughts come, they're uncomfortable, they give up and they say, I just can't do it. I have, most of the time people walk in to my class and they say, well, I hope you're ready to deal with a type A. I have hundreds of thoughts or thousands of thoughts a day. And I say, yes, you do. We all do. We have about twelve to 60,000 thoughts a day. It's about one thought every two seconds. And... The thing about it is we don't even realize it. Most of them we don't hear. They're often repeated. And these thoughts are creating these neuronal pathways, these well-worn highways in our nervous system so that they can trigger behaviors and reactions that we aren't even conscious of. So with meditation, we start to get a, a glimpse into how we feel, what we, what happens when we feel anxiety, what happens when we feel a, a lot of pressure to get things done. When you give yourself 15 minutes to examine what's going on in your inner life, you know, you get really clear about how you're responding in your external life. But meditation is very boring. It, it reminds me of, of brushing my teeth. You know, we brush your teeth every day. You're not looking for a fabulous experience. You do it because you know it's good for you. You feel better afterwards. Sometimes it feels fantastic. And other times you're just racing through it to get it done. That's how meditation is. Obviously, meditation has spiritual benefits and more mental and physical benefits. But in terms of approaching meditation like that, it can be helpful rather than putting pressure on ourselves to hear the voice of God or to have our map out our entire lives within 20 minutes. So with meditation, we start each meditation with an intention. We start each one with an intention. So whatever you go into meditation, whether you're looking for peace of mind or looking for better health or looking for more insight or a connection to God, Meditation really helps us with that. Sarah, how do you feel about, um, I've, I've met many people that feel strongly that it's important to have a space of meditation in your home that is always the same. Do you have any kind of thoughts or experiences from your collected data of the people you've been teaching and working with since 1989 that Mm. would prove that that would matter, or is it the belief about that for oneself that makes it matter? Well, I am a big fan of accoutrement-free meditation. That means if you don't have your bells, if you don't have your perfect chair, your perfect cushion, your your candles, your prayer book, or whatever it is you are used to having, you should still be able to meditate. However, you ask, is, is it necessary? No. But does it help? Yes. I mean, it's nice to sit in the same spot, and, and your body likes rhythm, so it's nice to sit the same time every day. Some people... Uh, prefer to use, I, we didn't include the sense of smell or taste as a focus for meditation, but if you use aromatherapy or incense, which has been traditionally used in, in religion for centuries, that can set you up and to set up a mood that can help to, to help you settle into your meditation, get creating that mood that supports you. So it's not required. You can meditate on a plane, on a bus. You can meditate if, like I meditate when my husband's driving. You know, I meditate in school parking lots. I meditate between appointments. So I don't depend on a certain location. However, the location does support me because I know I won't be disturbed. I have, you know, I turn the the radio off. I turn off my cell phone. And I set myself up to succeed. But it's not required. I noticed from uh, reading all your information on your website, uh, which, by the way, I'll, I'll mention that again, SedonaMeditation.com. You can learn all about Sarah and order her book, best-selling 
Hay House author that she is, Soul Centered, Transform Your Life in Eight Weeks with Meditation. But I noticed, Sarah, that you take people on uh, wild dolphin excursions. <laughs> um, is it? <laughs> I, I love that because... Um, on a walking meditation on the on the beach, which I do mostly every day, at least when I'm in town, um, there is something so in the awe, the awesomeness of life, people just being in awe. When they see dolphins uh, swimming in the water, what is our fascination with those beautiful mammals that they are? Well, they have a lot to teach us about living in community, about acceptance, about sweetness about love. You know, I also believe that just being immersed in natural surroundings, you're blessed to be that way. I'm looking right out of these beautiful red rocks now and this bright blue sky. You know, most of us are not, we have so much stress, let's put it this way, that we're not even aware of something that is out there. We're in our little rooms, we're in our cubicles, we're in our cars, we're in our supermarkets. We're sort of divorced a little bit from the natural rhythms And, of course, if you're out swimming with dolphins, you've got those primordial sounds of the ocean's waves and the sound of the water slapping against the boat. There's this gorgeous expanse of the, you know, the horizon. And there's this wisdom of these beautiful dolphins and their willingness to include each other and to include us. And most of us are defended, not because we want to be, but because stress has just made it just difficult to be soul-centered, to radiate the qualities that are innate to us of love and inclusiveness and compassion and community, because when we're stressed out, we forget about that. We go, we become victims. We don't do it on purpose, but, you know, our, our relationship to the world changes from one of being happy to be alive as we are as kids and everything is happening for us to being a little at, at odds with the world. You know, everything's happening to us. We have to deal with our kids or our boss or, the you know, the environment or the bills. And so I think when we get out in nature and we can just unplug, for one thing, and to get a new perspective, we can set up a new normal. And Dawson's teach us how to do that. You know, they just it's just wondrous how they they don't need a cell phone. They don't need a glass of wine, they don't need hierarchy, they don't need to exclude. In fact, they just want to include and and to be loved and to show love. And that's who each one of us really is in our true nature. Meditation helps us to wipe away the layers of stress that can keep us from realizing who we really are at our deepest center. We're listening today to Sarah McLean talk about the values of the tools called meditation and ways to have meditation as just a practice, an everyday practice in your life, whether it's simple, sitting in a traffic light in an automobile, um, or whether it's when someone else is driving the car, (laughs) and I think it's important to say that, Mm -hmm. Um, moments of, of just between the spaces of the next appointment or the next thing that you can do. And I just thank all of you for listening and for your continued support in Unity Online Radio, the voice of the awakening world. I'm Temple Hayes, and you're listening to From Good to Amazing. Thank you for sharing our shows with all your friends and your social media networks. We really appreciate you bringing them to the awareness of this show. And we'll be right back following this break. Chris Michaels, host of The Prosperous Life on Unity Online Radio, is an author, life coach, national speaker, and the founder and spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Living in Kansas City, Missouri. Through his writing, coaching, and speaking, Chris has helped thousands of people understand the basic spiritual principles that govern our lives. In his book, Your Soul's Assignment, he reminds us that we each have something to do here on earth a unique purpose to our lives. If you're interested in discerning what is yours to do, are looking for practical spiritual principles to inspire your life, or coaching to provide you with the tools to live more fully, visit Chris's website, 
at www.chrismichaels.net. That's www.chrismichaels.net. What is the key to happiness? Would you like to find the fountain of youth? How about all the money and love that you could handle? Well, my friends, it is there for you. You just need to strip off the false beliefs that keep your divine inheritance from being attracted into your life. You need to be real. Be vulnerable. Be naked. What are you waiting for? Let's get naked. This transformational program with Reverend Heidi Allfree is an invitation to explore and remove the blocks that keep you from emotional freedom. Listen to Heidi and her revealing guests as they embrace the power of spiritual nakedness as a guaranteed way to live an authentic and transparent life. Expose yourself to your greatness on Mondays at 3 p.m. Central Time. Let's get naked. No dress code required. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You gotta get rid of your butt. It's bigger than it would appear. It hinders your forward movement when you keep bringing up the rear. We now return to From Good to Amazing with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. And welcome back, everyone. And I would like to just say for the record how, you know, truly meditation has changed my life. Um, being in uh, recovery for 25 years as a recovering alcoholic and just experiences I've faced in my life, that that art of, of meditation, it it calms you to to relax and to to think before you speak and to allow spaces when you're interacting. What it helped me with as we're listening with Sarah McLean today. Sarah, thank you for being on our show. It really helped me in relationships a lot because I was somewhat more more than being a caregiver of just offering good care, I was a caretaker, and I'd like mm-hmm. take take people's issues on. You know, uh, many years ago, if they had a problem, I'd like take it, you know, and put it on my <laughs> shoulders. <laughs> you know, like uh, want to take it away from them. And in learning how to be calm, because I realized that meditation is a practice, and it can be something that can elaborate for several minutes, but it also can be as subtle as the spaces in language of conversation, don't you think? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, meditation is a training to life and for life. We don't meditate for our experiences in meditation. In fact, what we do meditate for is to cultivate this new calmness, this new sense of freedom and peace and integrity. And as you say, you know, creating a, some spaciousness and awareness, whether it's awareness of how you react versus respond to a situation or awareness of your own intuition. Um, all this awareness does is help us to live a life that's full of integrity and to see where our patterns might not support us. Where you talk about caretaking, you know, a lot of people, when asked the question, who are you, they answer with uh, answers relating to their relationships, relating to their responsibilities, relating to their roles in their lives and their work and their addresses and their history and their hopes. But what we really need to think about when we ask the question, who am I or who are you, think about what the qualities are that best would describe how we are in the world. Are you compassionate? Are you creative? Are you loving? Are you generous? And each one of us has a different flavor of this part of ourselves, of our own soul. Now, when answering the question, how are you, many of us don't look inwards for the answer. In fact, we look out in the external world. Well, how's my job going? How are my relationships going? You know, how's my, did I get the raise? How is my relationship to this person I'm taking care of? And we become dependent on external circumstances and situations for our measure of well-being. 
Now, caregiving and caretaking definitely can can help us find that boundary, but how can we take care of ourselves while being giving and attentive to another? And it really comes by by nourishing and by nourishing ourselves and by rele- relieving or releasing the stress that can shroud our true nature from ourselves, from our own awareness, and from being radiant in the world. I look at stress as something that we all accumulate. Um, whether we know it or not, it can come from anywhere, anytime. It can be deep-seated stresses or just simply stresses from not getting the parking space you want or someone cutting you off in traffic. But stress accumulates, noticed or unnoticed, like dust motes landing on a glass table. You know, who knows where they're coming from? Who knows, you know, when they're happening? But one day you don't notice it. And then a few days later or weeks later, you can write your name in the dust. There's an effect of this accumulation of stress. Now, most of us relieve stress through practices of prayer and meditation, but the number one way that we relieve stress is through sleep. But as those of you who are stressed out listening know, when you're stressed out, sleep is like the last thing you can do. So meditation is a way of dusting the table so that who we really are, being compassionate, loving, inclusive, creative, you know, perfect in our own right, can be expressed in the world. Many years ago, I I started um, practicing, Sarah, because I was one of those people that when I would be still at night, you know, when it was coming time to to get ready to go to sleep, I would start the to-do list, you know, in my mm-hmm. head of, you know, oh, and remember tomorrow and do this and don't forget to call this person and do that and do that. But I found that through practice, and I think practice is the key word and it's come up several times and I think it's important for our listeners to understand to be patient with yourself because when you change a habit or a way of being, it takes time. And for me, when I made that, uh, decision that I didn't want to do that because then I'd wake up in the middle of the night and start thinking about you know the something else of the to-do list that I had just started mm. I just really started working with calmness so it's almost like I do a meditation a short meditation before I go to sleep and I just clear my mind so nothing really um There's not a list going on. There's not the chatter going on in my head. And it's made all the difference in the world for me and and how I even wake up in the morning in a place of more calm versus, you know, feeling rushed or feeling anxious. Well, I think it is, you know, the habit of the mind to think. And I love that you're aware. You can't change anything without awareness. But what I also love is, for those of you who are list makers, what I do instead of counting sheep before bed is I make a list, but it's in my head, of everything I'm grateful for. And if, you know, it's just a habit of mind to think. So we can adjust what we're paying attention to. So I, I begin to pay attention to not what I need to do because that just causes more stress, <laughs> but what I'm actually grateful for, being safe in my house and being sleeping next to my beautiful husband and being able to breathe, you know, being full by having my belly full of beautiful food. And, you know, the list can go on and on. Sometimes I suggest people can start with the letters of the alphabet. Just what are you grateful for for the letter A? Well, I have a fabulous avocado and, you know, I could go on and on and, you know, B for whatever you love, your beautiful husband, you know, C for your collection of, uh, fabulous books that inspire you, whatever it is, you can go through and refocus and, and train your attention and be aware of what you're focused on and the impact of each thought. So as the habit of mind is to think, we can notice if we think about what we're grateful for, it creates this feeling. If we think about our to-do list, it creates this other feeling. Now, some people ask me about prayer and meditation. I wanted to talk about that if we have time. 
Um, Absolutely. Prior to us doing that, let's um, mention to everyone, just to make sure that we don't give out of time, about your wonderful retreat that you're going to be doing at Unity Village because um, that's such a great place to have retreat at least Summit, Missouri, and you're going to have a wonderful time. But tell our listeners where you're going to be and the dates. Sure. It's May 2nd through 5th, so you have plenty of time. The weather is going to be beautiful, I hope, and pray. And we are going to spend the weekend really examining what keeps us from living our, our beauty, what keeps us from knowing our own inner loveliness, and what keeps us from radiating this, and practices in which to cultivate this radiance of our own soul, practices of meditation and mindfulness, practices of compassion and awareness, and communication practices, practices on how to listen to yourself and how to heed your own inner knowingness and how to listen to others without, without uh, becoming a mind reader, without <laughs> answering their own questions, and, and living life with an intention. And an, I'm so excited to do that. Uh, we just did one up here where the program director from Unity Village came up to sort of see what I was up to. And it was a fabulous program here in Sedona, and we're doing one again uh, May, I'm sorry, March. I think it's the 7th through the 10th. And it's all on my website. But I would love, love, love to spend time with the listeners on this on this show. And whether you have no experience at all or are a an avid me- meditator, you know, this is the place for you. You can't meditate enough. That's what I say. <laughs> and you can find those dates um, at Sarah McLean's website, SedonaMeditation.com. Um, Sarah, we have a couple of minutes. So um, tell us what you were saying about the difference or the distinction with prayer and meditation. Well, ultimately, you know, our life can be a walking, living meditation or a walking, living prayer. But that being said, there is a distinction for me um, between meditation and prayer. They often say meditation is, or prayer is talking to God and meditation is listening, which I think is, is a nice way of putting it. But I don't find that to be actually as true as this way of looking at it. Prayer is talking and communing to, with God. Meditation is a way of purifying our nervous system so that as we walk through the world, we can listen to God's will for us. Whether, as you say, it's this, it's um, synchronicities that arise, people that we think of, we we run into right as we think of them. The clues are hidden right in plain sight, and we often can miss them because of the overwhelming amounts of stress that we're dealing with and the and the multitasking. So, meditation is a way of just really like a giant, think of it as a giant Q-tip, where you get rid of you know, rid of whatever is keeping us from hearing or seeing or knowing what to do next. And then as we move out of meditation into our lives, we're much more sensitive, we're more attuned to the subtle energies, much more attuned to the voice of God. So I really look at it that way. Meditation is about purifying the system. And so those of you that are listening today, think of it this way. For eight weeks, you can be fulfilling your practice of learning how to meditate better so you can go to sedonameditation.com and order the book soul centered transform your life in eight weeks with meditation sarah it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today um i thank you for the energy and i'm i'm grateful um as well as i'm sure our listeners are that you decided to come out of the ashram and to bless us with the uh the gifts that you're bringing um thank you for being on our show and i look forward to hearing about your your great and mighty work and in the days and years ahead thank you thank you so much for having me and thank you listeners for being here and loving yourself in this way and i'm temple hayes and you can follow our work by going to unitycampus.org you can participate you can see our services and various activities online and we would love to have you be part of our community that reaches all over the world and if you think of an idea that you would like to have on our show you can email me at temple at templehayes.org or amazing at unity.fm. Thank you everyone and bless you. Namaste.
Thank you for tuning in to From Good to Amazing with Reverend Temple Hayes. Join us every Monday at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern for more tools to move your life from good to amazing. This program is brought to you in part by Temple Hayes Ministries Online at www.templehays.org and First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida. Online at www.unitycampus.org. What would a human life, based on the principles of an evolutionary spirituality, look like? Reverend Kelly Isola wants to talk with people of every faith or no faith at all to passionately participate in the next great epic in the emergence of consciousness and culture. If the choice is ours to consciously evolve, then what can life look like at this pivotal time in human history? Join us each Wednesday at 11 a.m. Central Time for Spiraling Consciousness with host Reverend Kelly Isola right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. As Reverend Felicia Blanco Cerce points out in her book, do greater things. There is the potential for joy, wholeness, and expansiveness designed into every moment. And the miracle is when we recognize the constant presence of these qualities all around us. Once we see what is possible, our lives then begin to change. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Whether you love the Bible or hate it, turn to it daily or refuse to have it in your house, The Bible Alive! Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap is a program designed just for you. Here on Unity FM, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley presents the Bible as a practical, powerful spiritual roadmap full of wisdom and guidance for the challenges of life today. A roadmap for your spiritual journey. Isn't that just what you are seeking? Join us every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern, for The Bible Alive, Exploring Your Spiritual Roadmap with Rev. Ed Townley, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Join us every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Central for more tools and insights into how to express your beliefs from moment to moment, every day, in every way. A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by JenniferHadley.com, a global resource providing tools, insight, and support for those seeking to live A Course in Miracles every day in every way. Online at www.JenniferHadley.com. While there, we invite you to visit Jennifer's blog, where you can join with the community of like-minded people who have become Jennifer's prayer partners through her daily power prayer. Like them, you can enjoy this extra support as you come to walk your talk and live A Course in Miracles every day in every way. You have a good life and are grateful for it. But what if you stretched beyond good and shifted to amazing? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, Senior Minister of the First Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an amazing life. 
transcend the need for acceptance of others and be an example of living the truth. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an amazing life right now? Learn how each week on From Good to Amazing. Mondays at 4 p.m. Central Time right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you, but God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> 